Isaiah, Isaiah chapter uh, 6, where Isaiah describes a vision that he had, a wonderful vision uh, that he had that really represented Isaiah's calling to be a prophet. Uh, and we're told that Isaiah had that vision, Isaiah 6 verse 1, that Isaiah had that vision in the year that King Uzziah died. Um, so maybe we've heard of the death of King Uzziah, but what about his life? Uh, well, the death of King Uzziah would have been 740 BC. Now, 2 Chronicles 26, verse 1, and again in verse 3, we're told that Uzziah became king when he was 16 years old. He succeeded his father Amaziah, uh, and in verse 3, we're told that he reigned in Jerusalem for 52 years. Uh, and in many respects, Uzziah's reign was long and glorious, but sadly, Uzziah did not finish as well as he began. And really, we can divide Uzziah's reign into two main parts. And the first part of his reign, we see Uzziah described as the powerful king. And that's verses 3 to 15. <coughs> Uzziah, the powerful king. Uh, look at verses 4 and 5. We read this. Uzziah did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father Amaziah had done. He sought God during the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of the Lord. As long as he, that's Uzziah, sought the Lord, God gave him success. God gave Uzziah success. And the reason that God gave Uzziah success was because Uzziah sought the Lord. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Notice also that we're told that Uzziah sought the Lord during the days of Zechariah. During the days of Zechariah. Now, we don't know who this Zechariah is. He's not the same man as the prophet uh, whose book comes in the Old Testament just before the book of Malachi. But the suggestion is in verse 5 that uh, it was under the guidance, it was under the instruction, it was under the counsel, it was under the encouragement of this man, Zechariah, that Uzziah sought the Lord. Uzziah sought God during the days of Zechariah. It was Zechariah who instructed him in the fear of the Lord. And perhaps things then go wrong with Uzziah when we reach verse 16, because Zechariah is no longer mentoring him or giving him counsel for some reason. Uh, now, I think we should just pause for a moment before we move on in the account of King Uzziah just to note the influence that other people can have upon us, and perhaps to recognize that we can have an influence for good upon others. Uh, we can have an influence for good. We can also, of course, have an influence for ill. But the otherwise unknown Zechariah here has an influence for great good on King Uzziah. Uh, Zechariah instructs Uzziah in the fear of the Lord. Now, to fear the Lord in this context means to have a right regard for who God is, to recognize God's greatness, to humble yourself before God, to recognize that God is powerful, and to look to God for help and for strength and indeed for all that we need. That's what it means to live with the fear of the Lord. And Zechariah encouraged Uzziah to live under the fear of of the Lord. He instructed him in the fear of the Lord. <coughs> Uzziah 
taught, uh, was taught by Zechariah to seek the Lord and to do what was good in the eyes of the Lord. And as Uzziah sought the Lord, then the Lord gave him success. Uh, and I just want to ask the question, do you have a Zechariah? Is there somebody, another Christian, who is able to encourage you? Uh, somebody who maybe stands alongside you and helps you uh, and gives you good counsel uh, as you walk through life? Uh, is there somebody who can be a Zechariah to you as Zechariah was to King Uzziah so many thousands of years ago? Or perhaps to put it another way, is there someone to whom you could be a Zechariah? Is there somebody that you can come alongside? Maybe a younger believer, somebody who is younger in the faith, not necessarily younger in age, but maybe younger in the faith, that you can encourage and give good counsel to and walk alongside and help. We see here the influence of a godly man on the king. It was in the days of Zechariah that Uzziah feared the Lord and did what was right. Do you have a Zechariah? Could you be a Zechariah to someone else? Well, pressing on in the life of Uzziah, we discover uh, verses 6 to 15, some of the successes of Uzziah are there described. Uh, we're told about some of his greatest achievements. Uh, we're told in verse 6 that Uzziah went to war against the Philistines and other surrounding nations, uh, and he enjoyed great military success. He extended the influence of Judah uh, as far south as Egypt. Uh, and at the end of verse 8, we're told that Uzziah became very powerful. This is a powerful king enjoying military success. Uh, what does Uzziah do then? Verse 9, he fortifies his capital city in Jerusalem. Uh, he builds many towers. He digs cisterns in the desert. His livestock thrive. His fields and his vineyards are very fertile. We're told that in verse 10 that Uzziah loved the soil. And undoubtedly, all this agricultural produce made him not only a powerful man, but also a wealthy man. Uh, he enjoyed great success in his agricultural and horticultural endeavors. Then, verse 11, we're told that Uzziah set up a regular army, 307,500 men trained for war, verse 13, uh, and 2,600 leaders, uh, captains over these fighting men. In verse 13, we're told that it was a powerful force to support the king against his enemies. Uh, so, uh, a wealthy man, but a very powerful man, militarily uh, very powerful. And uh, then we're told Uzziah, verse 14, uh, equips the entire army with all that they need for warfare, warfare in those days. So, he provides shields and spears and helmets and coats of armor and bows and sling stones. He also invested in new weapons uh, for defense. Uh, we read in verse 15 of war machines that could hurl large stones or shoot arrows, uh, presumably at attacking armies. Uh, and it's no surprise then, really, having read through those verses, that we come to the end of verse 15 and we're told that Uzziah's fame spread far and wide, for he was greatly helped until he became powerful. So here is Uzziah, the powerful king. 
But there's a little phrase there at the end of verse 15 which is very significant, for we are told that he was greatly helped until he became powerful. He was greatly helped. Uh, it reminds us, uh, even as Uzziah himself would forget, that he didn't accomplish all these things in his own strength, but that he was greatly helped by others. Verse 7, we're told that he was helped by God. God helped him against the Philistines and against the other surrounding nations. God helped him to achieve the power that he did. We're told in verse 5, and we looked at that a little earlier there, that he was helped by Zechariah. It was Zechariah probably who really encouraged Uzziah to walk in the ways of the Lord, to be faithful. He's helped by God. He's helped by Zechariah. He's helped, verse 10, by well, the people who worked in his fields and his vineyards, presumably those who built the towers and dug the cisterns in the desert. There were many people who were helping him in his agricultural, horticultural, and military success. Verses 12 and 13, he is helped by the officers and by the soldiers who serve in his army. They help him to grow powerful against his enemies. And in verse 15, as we read about these uh, machines, these new sort of war machines, we're told that they were designed by skillful men. There were skillful men who helped Uzziah to achieve all that he did in everything that he accomplished. And in all his success, Uzziah was helped, well, helped principally by God, but helped also by many others. And as the chronicler makes clear, it's because he sought the Lord, verse 5, that God gave him success. Who gave him success? Well, it was God. And who helped him? Well, God helped him, but there were many, many other people who helped him to become the powerful king that he was. Uzziah was powerful. His fame had spread far and wide, but he was not a self-made man. Uzziah may have been keen and a good king at that, but it was God. It was many other people who helped him. And actually, the name Uzziah means God is my strength, or God is my helper, or God is my power. But sadly, Uzziah forgot that. Uzziah's problem was that he forgot that he had been greatly helped by God, then he'd be greatly helped by others. And sadly, the powerful king becomes the proud king. We'll come to that in just a moment the powerful king. Now, you might not describe yourself as powerful. Indeed, you might not think of yourself as being very successful. Your fame may not have spread far and wide. Uh, none of us are kings or queens. But, you know, whatever our achievements, whatever our accomplishments, whatever responsibilities we have over others, whatever success that we may have enjoyed, and usually there's something in our lives that we feel that maybe we've made a success of. Never forget that in that success or in that position of leadership or that position of power that you've been greatly helped by God and you've probably been greatly helped by others. Almost certainly you've been greatly helped by others. In the New Testament, in Romans chapter 12 and verse 3, the Apostle Paul, writing to Christians, warns them. He says this, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. 
And then he goes on to speak of the church as a body comprised of many members and of how each member needs the other members of the body in order that the body would function effectively. As we look around at others in the church, sometimes maybe we can be in danger of thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought. Even though every single member of the church is saved only by the amazing grace of God. In regard to our salvation, Jesus has done it all for us. As we were thinking this morning, God saved us. We don't save ourselves. God saves us. Through Jesus, we are the adopted sons and daughters of the living God. We are co-heirs with Christ. But without God's help, without the help of the Lord Jesus Christ, we're nothing. We need to remember that as we look around the church, as we look at our fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord, and as we look at those outside the church, we should echo the words of Paul when he says, it's only by the grace of God that I am what I am. Uh, Maybe as a pastor, let me just speak to myself for a moment. Uh, Maybe sometimes we see success in, in ministry in some form or other. But you know, it's God's work. We're only servants of the living God. It's God who's at work. And you know, in church life, maybe the pastor is, maybe the person there at the front, but you know, it's all the people who are faithfully serving in all the various ministries of the church and in their personal witness in their homes and in their workplaces that often is being used by God to build the church. Whatever success that we may know, remember that it's God who's at work through us and that many other people have helped us. By the grace of God, we are what we are. And Uzziah forgot that. And so the powerful king became the proud king. And that led to his downfall. Really, that describes the second part of Uzziah's reign, of the proud king, verses 16 to 21. Uzziah, who started so well, finished badly. Uh, Verse 16 tells us everything that we need to know, but after Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. He was unfaithful to the Lord his God. He became proud, and then he became unfaithful. And how is that unfaithfulness expressed? Well, we're told that he entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Now, that sounds a very noble enterprise. Uh, Here is Uzziah, and he wants to worship God, and so he wants to offer incense, and he wants to do that in the temple. But the problem is that God had set forth very clearly that that was the role of the priests, not the king, to burn incense in the temple. Not even the king was allowed access into the holy place and Here is Uzziah, and he wants to go in and burn the incense. Uzziah is taking upon himself a task that God has entrusted to others. In verse 17 and 18, we're told that Azariah and 80 other courageous priests followed Uzziah into the temple. And they were courageous, for this was a very powerful king. And they went into the temple to tell him that he was doing something that was wrong. He was acting against God's law. It was not right in the eyes of the Lord for Uzziah to burn incense. And they 
they tell Uzziah to leave immediately, for God will not honor this act of disobedience. These are courageous men. They confront and they challenge a very powerful king. They tell Uzziah straight out that what he's doing is wrong. They demand that he leave the temple immediately. They're putting their lives at risk. Not surprisingly, Uzziah responds angrily. There he is with the censer in his hand, ready to burn the incense. Everything is ready. He's about to start doing so. And then he's told by the priest to get out of the temple. And we're told that he begins raging against them, presumably reminding them of how powerful he is. Don't they know who he is? Don't they know that he could, well, just probably click his fingers and have them killed? But as Uzziah stands in the temple of the Lord, raging at the priests, verse 19, leprosy begins to break out on his forehead. You see, Uzziah needs to understand that there is someone who is far greater than he is, someone who is far more powerful than he is, that there is a king over all the other kings of the earth, that there is a king of kings. Azariah and the other priests, they hurry Uzziah out of the temple. They don't need to be forceful with him because Uzziah himself now, verse 20, is eager to leave because the Lord has afflicted him. Uzziah leaves the temple, but verse 21, the leprosy doesn't leave Uzziah. Uh, And we're told here that he remains a leper until his death. He has to live in isolation no longer able to join with the people of God in the worship of God at the temple. His son Jotham takes on the responsibilities of running the royal household and governing the nation. Verse 23, we're told that Uzziah died and he was buried, not with his ancestors, uh, but in a field near them, separated even from his forefathers in death. And what a sad end that is to what was such a promising reign. The powerful king became the proud king and realized too late that he exercised his role under an even greater king than himself. And Uzziah needed to know that God is the king of kings. It's not earthly wisdom that says pride comes before a fall. It's actually biblical wisdom. Proverbs 16 and verse 18, we're told, pride goes before destruction a haughty spirit before a fall. Uh, And that principle of wisdom is so clearly illustrated in the life of Uzziah here in 2 Chronicles chapter 26. Verse 16 just explains it for us if we had any danger of missing the point. But after Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. I think one of the great lessons, or one of the major lessons of the life of King Uzziah is the danger of pride. One of humanity's besetting sins is to think too highly of ourselves, to be actively engaged in self-promotion. Pride comes before a fall. And that key principle... That proverbial wisdom needs to be understood along another, alongside another principle that is illustrated uh, by the life of King Uzziah. It's made clear in verse 5. Second Chronicles 26 and verse 5, as long as he sought the Lord, God gave him success. 
Now, to defy God may not cause leprosy to break out upon our foreheads, but I think we do need to understand that often there are consequences to our sinful actions, and sometimes those consequences live with us through the remainder of our earthly lives. It's so much better for us to seek the Lord and to obey His commands. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these other things will be added unto you, will be given to you as well. I think these are general principles of life that we're reading here in Second Chronicles 26. General principles of life that are illustrated in the life of King Uzziah. That we must seek the Lord. That we mustn't become proud. We must humble ourselves to recognize that we live under God and we live with God giving us the help that we need and so many other people around us who help us. But as we look at the life of King Uzziah, I want us to think just for a moment of the life of another king of Judah, one descended from Uzziah, who was himself descended from King David of Judah, a man who is incredibly powerful, but a man who is not proud, the most powerful of men, who is also the humblest of men. Uniquely, he holds the office not just of king, but also of priest and prophet. Indeed, he's the perfect king, the perfect prophet, the perfect priest. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Think of the Lord Jesus Christ, even as we think here of Uzziah, the king of Judah. Like the nation under Uzziah, but to a far greater extent under the powerful rule of King Jesus, his kingdom is being extended, his kingdom is growing. And his fame is spreading far and wide. His enemies are defeated and his people are being kept safe and secure. And they prosper and they are blessed. You see, Jesus is a glorious king and Jesus is a victorious king. Far greater than even the glory and the prosperity of King Uzziah. Jesus is the powerful king. Far more powerful than Uzziah, but he's not a proud king. You see, Jesus was willing to lay aside his glory and his majesty as the Son of God. Jesus was willing to become the servant king, the servant who suffers for others, the one who is willing to suffer and even to die so that others might be raised up, those who humble themselves might be raised up that they might be forgiven when they sin. Jesus willingly humbles himself to become a man. We read that right at the very beginning, Philippians chapter 2. To live a life of humble service, to live in complete obedience to the commands of God, to suffer at the hands of those he had created, to die cruelly and to die alone on a cross alongside criminals, having been mocked and beaten. And why does he do this? Well, he does it for people like you and me. You see, in Jesus there is found both majesty and meekness. He is the most powerful king, but he's not a proud king. He's the servant king. And the reason he's the servant king is that he might be the savior king, that he might gather people to himself, 
that they might live gladly <coughs> under his rule, under his reign. Jesus then is the far greater king than King Uzziah, the greatest king of Judah, David's greatest son. His reign is longer, his, lo his reign is more glorious, indeed his reign is eternal. He's the eternal king. And we worship and we adore him. We worship and adore King Jesus. And we live happily, we live securely, we live gladly under his rule. You know, as you read through Second Chronicles and you read of these various kings, some were good and some were bad. Some, like Uzziah, a mixture of good and bad. Well, all of them, I suppose, a mixture of good and bad. But all the way through, we're longing for the better king, the greater king. David's greater son, and eventually then he comes, the Lord Jesus Christ, the most powerful king, the most glorious king, victorious king, eternal king, but a king who humbles himself suffers and dies so that we might be made his people, that we might come under his rule, under his care, <coughs> that we might then share with him in his glory, that we might reign forever with him. Meekness and majesty, the servant king. Powerful, but not proud.